Welcome to the Business Rents Podcast, where we have real conversations about the journey to being the best leader you can be in the workplace and at home. Welcome to the Business Rents Podcast, where we have real conversations about the journey to being a great leader in the workplace and a great leader at home. I am unbelievably excited um, and honored to welcome our guest today. Um, Currently, he is the Director of Marketing and Retail Operations for Pathway Press, Um, but at the risk of making him feel too good about himself, um, I I need to share a little more of the uh, context of how Corey and I know David Gray. So... um, I've actually known David since I was probably about nine years old. Um, when I describe our relationship to people, I, I typically will say, or, or when I'm giving the context, that he was actually friends more with my parents when I first met him. Um, he was between their age and my age. Um, but my earliest memories are playing basketball in the driveway at 10 years old. And... Um, and 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 beating yeah. me. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that, but um and then um his family moved to Tennessee and then early uh in our 20s um we had the opportunity to move to the same town in Tennessee and reconnect and that was when really he went from being um my parents' friend to our good friend and I have to say this um it's not very often in life, you know, it's, it's important as we have these conversations. So I think it's really important to have somebody in your life and business that you can go to for mentoring and advice. I think it's important as a parent to have somebody that you can go to for those same things. I think it's important in your marriage to have somebody that you can go to. Um, it's really rare in life to have somebody to have one person that you can go to for all of those things. And David knows that we have come to him many times. Um, but what he doesn't know on the back end is whenever we're facing a decision or a struggle or um, just something where we know we need advice or mentoring from someone else without fail, one of us says, we need to talk to David Gray about this. And, um, he has been that voice in our lives, the person who will tell us what we need to hear, not just what we want to hear. And he will do his best to wrap the truth in love. So um, we are honored to have you here today and excited. And we know that you sharing your journey will be a blessing to other people like it's been a blessing to us. So um, we're excited for that. So welcome to the show, wow. David Gray. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Um, I, for a minute there, I didn't know if you were talking about somebody else. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been such an interesting journey because we have known each other for so long in different capacities, right? Um, as you were sharing that, I started thinking, we really, really, though, you and I have been good friends and your wife, Corey, for 20 years now. And so that's a pretty good, pretty good length of time. Yep. So I'm happy to be here and I appreciate the invite. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, So before we kind of dig in, if you would just tell our listeners a little bit more um, about both your business journey or your business background, and then also um, just more about your family unit, like what that looks like and kind of just share about Give, give the context of both of those things. Sure, 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 sure. Um, so the truth is, I'm about 116 years old, and I've been leading and running businesses and nonprofit organizations for nearly 30 years. Um, my very first leadership position, I was the assistant manager of a restaurant when I was 19 years old and uh, was quickly promoted to being the general manager of a restaurant at 20 years old. And so as a 20-year-old kid, I had 30 employees. Uh, I didn't know what I was doing. And 
probably abused a lot of those people. Um, in fact, I've I've often thought I wish I could find those people so I could look and look them up and apologize to them. Uh, but that launched me in a direction in which I've been leading or managing or running organizations and, and businesses and, and nonprofits ever since then. Um, so I'm in truth, I'm, I'm 56 now. So since I was 19 years old and there's been very few times in that period, although there were some where I was not either the leader or one of the key leaders of the organizations. And so leadership in particular has become one of my pet topics, as it were. Um, not only have I led them, but we I've started them. Uh, a friend of mine and I started a nonprofit marriage education ministry several years ago in which uh, I wrote and taught um, marriage education materials for churches and for individuals, et cetera. And so been doing this a long time, and that's how I ended up here at this nonprofit publishing company. It's a denominational publishing company. Um, we have about 8,000 customers per year, unique customers. We fulfill about 28,000 orders per year. We're about a $4 million a year business. And so my responsibilities, I run actually four different departments in this organization. That's why my, my title is kind of long. They just had to make up a title that covered a whole bunch of areas. But interestingly, my family journey is along on the same lines. My wife and I have been married for 36 years. We have four kids, all of whom are adults, and we have seven grandkids. But at the same time that I was promoted to being an assistant manager at 19 years old, I was also getting married. So we, we got married very young, had our first child when, when we were both 19 years old. And um, now, you know, so we did, we were very mature, did a lot of things the wrong way. I would do things a lot different today if I was a start over. Um, but now, uh, all of our kids live here in the same area. And like I said, we have seven grandkids and, uh, we just, man, nothing more important than family. So that's kind of my history. I mean, I didn't go into a lot of details, but kind of skimming the surface there. Yeah, definitely. I, one of the things that I'm really excited about talking about, um, is just, I guess those similarities and in particular one conversation that you and I, if we've had this before just in conversation, but um, I, I would love to, to talk about or hear about the, um, the sort of evolution of your parenting. So um, like you, you touched on it, but similar in that, we both started our families very young. We were 19 when I got married and um, just the, and, and we also have four kids. So the way we parented when we had that first child versus even the way maybe our fourth child, um, especially like in their teenage years, I know if, if you interviewed our four kids, they would say, the youngest is getting a very different experience than the older three had. Um, and so I think that uh, I would love for you to talk about um, the evolution of your parenting from when they were young to maybe those final years of having children in the house. And then maybe even touch on how would you, if, if you were starting today, knowing what you know now, but starting to be a parent with the knowledge that you have now, how might you start that different and, or how might your approach be different than it was when you actually were raising small kids? Wow. That's not a tough question <laughs> at all. <laughs> you know, it's so interesting because um, same situation. We had our first three kids in five years. And so the first three kids, even though number three, we had already, you know, I think every parent feels this way. You you learn on the first kid and that that poor first kid. Right. <laughs> like, and then every time you ha and hopefully if you're uh, growing and you're wise, every time you have another kid, you get a little bit better and a little bit better. And uh, you have a lot of trial and error on the first couple kids. So we had our first two kids. Um, our second child was born when the first one was only 20 months old. And so uh, number three came along a little bit later within five years. But our fourth child, 
uh, did not come along. There's an eight year gap between child number three and child number four. And so uh, there's, a, there's a pretty radical difference because what that means is that there was a 13 year gap between our oldest child and our youngest child. And so, you know, those early years, Chad, my goodness, I think my wife would say this too. We were so immature, right? We were so young and immature. And I don't know what it is about people, but I think, I think if people are like me, and I think most people are, you just assume you know what you're doing, yeah. right? Like you don't really give much. When you, when you go to have your first kid, most people don't give a lot of thought to what are the patterns or what are the principles or what are the guidelines I'm going to use to raise this kid? You just, you just have kids because babies are cute, right? And that's it. And so, you know, when you're, when you're 19, 20, 22 years old and you're immature and you come from a broken home and you just, you have all sorts of control issues, you make all sorts of mistakes. Um, and really, uh, I, I think my kids would say that they um, are proud of the way we raise them. But I will tell you that from the oldest kids to the youngest kid, we moved from control and command, command and control, to uh, empowerment, I guess would be a better word, right? And so like you said, the older kids with your family, the older kids had a lot of rules in place. There wasn't a lot of listening going on by the parents. Um, when kids would bring things up, it's like, hey, I'm the, I'm the dad. Just do what yeah. you're told. Whereas the youngest child, um, especially like in their teenage years, to your point, we had a lot of rules about dating and things like that with the older kids that we just absolutely threw in the trash can when it came to our youngest kid. Because what we wanted with the youngest one was we wanted openness and we wanted communication and um, we wanted relationship more than we wanted behavior modification. Does that make 100%. sense? And so, and, and honestly, even though we haven't really gotten there yet, all of these same things apply to leadership because there are so many leaders. And, and the reason I say at the beginning, you know, I said, I wish I could go back to that restaurant and just apologize to those employees that worked for me at that time is because it was all about command and control. Just do your job the way you're told to do it. I don't want to really hear your input and all of those kinds of things. Right. But as I've gotten older and have begun to realize the value that every single person carries inherently. And I start, and rather than looking at them as means to an end, start looking at them as real humans, right? People with value, people with gifting. Then you move from, you move from expecting behaviors to empowering and equipping. Right. And... Uh, honestly, I think this is one of the things we did very, very differently with our fourth child is that we were we started thinking about what's going to happen in their life when they turn 18. Like I have a principle that I believe in when I when it comes to leadership, it, it's what I call begin with the end in mind. Right. We're not just getting a task done. Everything, everything that we start, we have to we have to begin it knowing where we're right. headed. And this is one of those things that I don't think a lot of parents really think about. The fact of the matter is, in most states, I think all states in the United States anyway, when a kid hits 18 years old, they don't have to do what you say anymore. <laughs> right. Right. Like even even though you and I both know that most people are not mature when they're 18 years old, the state of Tennessee or the state of Oklahoma, they don't care how mature your kid is. When they hit their 18th birthday, that child can do whatever they want. And there's nothing you can do about it. So what we ought to be doing is we ought, even when they're two years old, when they're five years old, when they're 15 years old, we ought to be equipping them and empowering them to be able to make wise and good decisions and to have a relationship that's open enough that they feel safe to come to us and talk to us about things. And, and just like you said about our relationship, the, the, the parents then become somebody that they can go to for counsel and wisdom and encouragement and strength so that when they turn 18, they are well equipped to navigate the world and to become productive parts of society. I actually feel the exact same way about leadership and organizations. I am far more concerned with developing the people that I work with and empowering them and encouraging them than I am about making sure the task gets done. 
Because what I know is that if I can empower them and equip them and encourage them, the task is going to get done somewhere in that process. Yeah, absolutely. I was, I, I, it was a little bit of a loaded question for me because I was hoping you would go exactly where you went. And just, just that it, a, the way, the way those principles apply the same both to our children and, um, in, in the workplace, but then also that idea of behavior modification. Um, we've talked about that a lot and just so many parents start out believing wholeheartedly to, that if their children have the right behaviors, that means everybody's winning. And what they don't right. realize is a lot of times those behaviors are just a reflection of not wanting to get in trouble, not necessarily, I understand exactly. this in my head and in my heart, and it's who I am versus um, just who my parents want me to act like. No, it, 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 that's exactly right. And the fact is that in leadership and in management, a lot of leaders operate on a fear-based model. And so they will actually get the behaviors that they want, but they're also going to have an employee or a team member that's not fully engaged at work, an employee that doesn't even really want to come to work. They're just doing it because they need a paycheck. And that's not the employee I want, right? I want somebody that wants to, that loves coming to work, that is engaged at work. And so if I'm only worried about uh, behavior, then, yeah, I'll, I'll totally embrace a fear-based model. But it's almost a guarantee that that employee is not going to stay with me long term. Right. And that's the thing about the kids, too. You can use a fear-based model. And by fear-based, I don't necessarily mean, you know, uh, uh, berating children or any of these kind of things. It's about control and, and it's about not really uh, being a listening person. Um, but it's the exact same thing. Like I said, once they turn 18, it's just like the employee that quits and goes someplace that they're going to be valued and respected. That 18 year old kid is going to go somewhere else to get their input and their affirmation and all the things that they need. 18 year olds and 20 year olds and 22 year olds still need the input of their parents to navigate life. But if they've had a terrible relationship with their parents or if they've suppressed their own emotions and their own feelings during their teenage years, they're not coming to the parents when they're 22 right. years old. Right. I mean, I could be wrong, but I'm probably not. <laughs> so talk about um, the and I know it's a little obviously it's different now for both of us because our kids are older. But I know um, because we were friends when our kids were younger and your kids were younger. Talk about the struggle of balancing. A lot of times uh, when I talk to people, they're either doing really well as a leader in the workplace or really well as a leader at home, right? But they tend to pour so much energy into one or the other that the other one tends to suffer. So maybe talk a little bit about that and um, I guess what advice you would have for somebody along with that of how can I do well at both? Because when you're, you know, when you're a leader at work, it's very important that you're operating at a high level, but you obviously also don't want your children to suffer because all of your energy is good and not just not suffer, right? Like it's not just about, it's not just about your children being okay. You want to do, be a good leader for them too. And so talk about that balance and maybe how you, how you would advise somebody who's, who's struggling to do well at both. Sure. That's, uh, again, you, uh, <laughs> there are, could you there come are up no with some harder questions? questions? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, the fact is that I think that work-life balance is a struggle for everybody. Um, well, I should say everybody who takes their career seriously. <laughs> um, and there's a shift happening in our culture right now where a lot of employers are recognizing the need for a strong family life. Whereas back in the 80s and the 90s and things when I was getting started in career, a lot of companies didn't care about that. Um, so there is so just by the nature of our culture, it is getting better. But we have to strike that balance right between our our family and our work. I would say this though. I think, I think there's a couple things. Um, gosh, first of all, first of all, I would say this, everything we do is built on relationships. 
Like it doesn't matter whether it's uh, you're, if you're flipping burgers at McDonald's or you're parenting children or you're the CEO of a, of a large corporation. Everything you do is built on relationships. And so the first thing you have, this is what I've seen so many times to your point a minute ago. I've seen people be amazing leaders in the workplace. But then when they get home, they have no patience for their kids. They don't have time to listen to their wife or whatever. And it's not because they haven't struck a balance between, you know, their time at work and their time in their family. It's because they haven't applied the same principles at work and at home. So they've learned to be great listeners at work and they've learned to be great encouragers at work and they've learned to be great equippers at work. But then when they get home, they don't do any of those things like all of those good graces just kind of go out the window. And so the first thing you have to realize, I think, is that all of the principles apply. And honestly, this is going to sound like a lot of pressure. I don't I don't mean it to be this way. I just think it's a reality. You're never off. And, and what, I, what I mean by that is you're on at all times to be that leader and that person that people can go to in no matter what situation you're in, in my opinion. And so I think that so in addition to that, understanding that the principles are exactly the same, in my opinion, this when it comes to a work life balance, I think good, open, honest communication is key because the fact is um, our jobs at times are going to be very demanding. And so there are times when family has to sacrifice a little bit. And, And from my view, there's no way around that. Like I have a season every year where I work now, there's about three to four weeks in the month of June where I'm gone. Uh, last year in the month of June, I was home for two days in the first three weeks of June. Okay. So my, but the thing is, my family knows that ahead of time. And the the key to it is, though, is being able to tell my family, and again, it doesn't matter whether they're five or whether they're 25, to be able to tell my family, this is an expectation of my job, and it won't be this way always. And the flip side is also true. You have to be able to communicate at work with your key employees and your key staff and your key team members that there are times when family takes precedence. And honestly, Chad, in my opinion, it's it's totally a give and take relationship because one of the things I see today, which I think, uh, I mean, I see the value in it, but I think it's overkill, is that people are so, uh, like you said, so focused on family that they refuse to ever let their workplace have a minute more or a, an ounce of extra energy. And then they get frustrated because they're not getting promoted or they're not getting the raises or whatever like that. And the fact is you have to be able to balance those two. And that means that sometimes, and this is especially for like people who, uh, one of the areas that I have coached people a lot in is in, in ministry, in church world, right? And so there's this push in church world that a pastor or a leader in a church should never have to work more than 40 hours. And I'm just like, well, you know, that's just not reality in my view, but you have, you just have to be able to have good, open, honest conversations with the key players. I think that it, that in and of itself is the balance. And let me just add this. You have to be open to feedback. And what I mean, what I mean by that is you, you've got to be able to ask your husband or you got to be able to ask your wife, how do you feel like the, the balance is going right now? Do you feel like I'm, I'm spending all my energy or all my time at work and not investing enough in the family. That is a very, very important conversation. And so we have to create a safe place, right? We have to, we have to make it where it's safe for our spouses to be honest with us. And that is also true in work. You have to create a safe place where you can, you are open to the feedback of supervisors, of peers and of staff, right? And that's that's actually one of the things that I have strived for where I currently work. My key, my direct reports, I've told all of them, you can come tell me anything you want to about me. If you, if you, if there's an area that you think I can improve in, I'm not going to, there's not going to be any backlash. There's not going to be any retribution, nothing. 
And, you know, I want to get defensive <laughs> with my wife. I want to get defensive with my kids and I want to get defensive with my team here at work. But but the fact is, I have to create that right. that safe place. So, yeah, I think definitely. Um, I think that's so key. And I think it's so key too. like it's been key for us to have you as a mentor. But I think like for you to say that people have to always be on and be growing like a lot of these things are very challenging and um i think it makes it only that much more important that you have people in your life um that you can go to and just have real conversations with and people that you look up to that maybe are a little bit further along in this journey um and this is true for parenting and in business people that that you can go to and, and just kind of be vulnerable with, um, and get feedback from, um, you know, about, about ways that you can apply, um, these principles, I guess. So I just think that. Yeah, I, I a hundred percent agree with that. And I'm glad you said that. I wish I would have thought of it, but having, having a mentor or having people in your life that you can go to and talk about these things, man, that is so, that is so key. And it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't matter whether it's parenting or business. You, you, it is so helpful to have those people. And I didn't have those people when I was younger, right? Coming from a broken home, I couldn't go to my parents and ask them about parenting. Any parenting advice I got would have gotten from them would have made my situation <laughs> worse, probably, <laughs> right? But it was the same in business. I just didn't have that in my, in my world. And so I had to find those sources. So I think that's an excellent point. Well, and I think too, and this Corey and I were having a conversation actually literally this morning, I thought of this and our, our conversation kind of got cut short. So I didn't say it, but one thing that I think a lot of times, especially as parents, but again, also in business is we maybe have bad examples in our life or like you were just saying about your parents, or we have people we have people that we look at and think I'm not going to do it that way, but that doesn't, that doesn't help you know what to do, right? It just helps you know what you don't want to do. And so there's still, so that, that may be good. Like, okay, I know I'm not going to be that kind of parent, but I, that doesn't mean I know how to be a good parent. It just means I know how not to be a bad one. Right. <laughs> and so I I think right, it's exactly. key to have those exactly. people and maybe listen to podcasts or read books or have have avenues or or places in your life that are showing you what you do want to do and who you do want to be, not just who you don't want to be. Um, both both as a leader at work and at home. So yeah, a hundred percent spot on. And the interesting thing is when you have these examples in your life, both, so we, we've mentioned parents a couple times, but in, in business, it's the same thing, right? Like the first manager that I worked for was a mess. He was a mess. So I didn't have that example in, in the business world either. But so even though we recognize it, I can remember being a 17 year old kid working on a, as a grill cook and thinking about my manager. I don't, I will never be like that guy, right? But here's the facts. Even though we intellectually recognize it, if we've been trained that way, so this is where I'm really thinking about parenting, but it's the same in business. If we've been trained a certain way, even though we recognize that it's an unhealthy pattern or a bad system, we will fall into those same patterns 99 times out of 100, yeah. right? And so we have to, that's a great point you make. We have, you, you can't just eliminate the old, you have to put something else in place to help you go in a healthy direction. Right. Yep. Corey's, Corey's <laughs> nodding, but she's not talking. No, I was just thinking like in that allowing yourself to be vulnerable. So as a parent and as a leader, it's okay to go back to your kids or to go back to your staff and say, I messed up. I should not have done this or I should not have said that. Because while, especially as parents, you don't want 
you know, you want your kids to think you've got it all together and, and whatever. But like one of the biggest things that I have learned mainly through you and I've been able to implement that is when I make a mistake, it takes a lot of strength and a lot of courage to go back and say, hey, I'm really sorry. I should not have done this or I should not have said that. And then you're showing your kids like it's okay to have that. It's okay to to recognize weakness or recognize, you know, a, a shortcoming, and then you can turn around and grow with it. And in that, you're um, building the relationship there where it's still, like you said, being safe. You know, when you're always right and you've always got the answer and you 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 refuse to look back and reflect, the the reflecting and the looking back and having that communication helps build and strengthen that relationship where in the future your kids know that like it's okay if I mess up or if I do something wrong or if I say something wrong because I can apologize and own it and now we can move forward and be stronger. Yeah, no, I I think that's so good. That is so true. I there's this idea in leadership and in parenting, like you said, where we have to be strong all the time, right? We have to have all our ducks in a row and we have to have it all together. But studies bear out the fact that people are actually drawn to vulnerability and people are drawn to weakness. Now they still want a leader and they still want a parent that they can have confidence in. But when a parent or a leader can come back and go, yeah, I didn't do that so well. Uh, and honestly, for my, my leadership has accelerated in the last 15 years or so when I just started owning my own frailties with my team, right? To be able to go, in fact, I said it just this morning to somebody, yeah, I didn't plan that out very well. That's totally my bad, right? And what that does is that actually engenders uh, a more honest and authentic relationship, which speeds up effectiveness and efficiency on the workplace, is having a trusting relationship. Like there's so many studies about this out there today that it's, it's crazy. So, yeah, that's a great point, Corey. The Schiffer Lending Team with Canopy Mortgage is proud to bring you this episode of the Business Rents Podcast. Being a great leader means leaving a legacy. One of the common ways people leave a financial legacy at home is through real estate. At the Schiffer Lending Team, we are honored to be a part of that journey. If you'd like to explore what that might look like for you, reach out to us by email, home at schifferlendingteam.com. years ago you know there was a time with one of our kids where our relationship had some tension and there was just as a result of it there wasn't a lot of communication going on it was just kind of tense with each other and we were out kayaking once together um, during this time and I just had an opportunity to tell him you know um, man as a parent I don't always know what I'm doing <laughs> and I <laughs> and I fail hard man. And, yeah. um, you know, there was never a moment where I didn't love you with all of my heart, but at the same time, um, there's no manual for this as, as parents, we kind of just, I, I feel like we love our kids with, with all that we have and we do our very best. And sometimes that goes well. And other times we, we fail hard, but that conversation led to a different place in our relationship that now that's been one of my favorite things about having adult children as being able to have these really real conversations, not that they can't start younger, you know, not that we can't have those conversations with our children while they're still in the home, but um, there's just something about being able to have a friendship with your adult children where you can have those uh, sort of adult conversations and just be like, man, remember that time where I was awful <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, you can look back on it and, and laugh or whatever, or whatever. But, um, you know, it's just so true that, uh, as, as our kids get older, and that's something that I love about this podcast is that we have the opportunity to talk with people who are all in different places of their journey. 
you know, we'll have guests that have very young kids right now. And, and so my hope is that listeners listening to an episode like today can listen to some people who are on the backside of, of, you know, the journey of having children at home, but the, the hard lessons that we've learned that, um, you know, that hopefully we can, a, let people know that they're not alone because so many people struggle alone with these things, both in, at, at work and at home. Um, you're not alone, but also uh, there are there are ways and people that can help you grow and, um, you know, just be what you're capable of being, I guess. Um, I wanted to ask and this is kind of uh, just sort of, this is a more fun <laughs> question. Not so hard, not so deep, I guess, but, but something that I think is a fun thing to reflect on and maybe talk about is if your, if your children, if one of your kids was on a podcast like this one in the future, where they were being interviewed about being a business leader and being a parent and the the guest asked your child what did you learn about business and about being a parent that is the best thing you learned from your parent what do you hope that answer what do you hope they would say what is the main thing if you had to pick one thing what's the main thing that you hope your kids could look back on and go i taught them that and, and i'm so glad and so proud that i did so, so this is a fun question. <laughs> well, it's fun to think about. I guess maybe it's still hard to answer, but it's you know okay. it's fun okay. to think about. Okay, okay. So, uh, and I need to narrow it down to one. Okay. Yeah. Honestly, if I'm going to be honest, um, it, it really is something I've already said, and that is that business, leadership, marketing, parenting. Um, husbands and wives, everything is built on relationships. And, and, and if my kids can learn that from me, it will revolutionize their entire life, not just their business. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. I've said to many times, I've said many times, and I probably said it to you guys, the best leadership books I've ever read are books on marriage. Because what I figured out was all of those same principles that I apply to my married relationship with my wife, they apply in the workplace too. The, the learning good listening skills, right? Learning how to reflect back to that person, learning how to empathize, learning how to, like we were talking about in the go, about creating a safe place, right? All of these things, numbers matter. Like I love a good spreadsheet. I know I'm a little, I'm a little twisted like that. I do love a good spreadsheet. Numbers matter. Management matters. But what supersedes all of that is healthy relationships. And that that goes in every every area to all of your key stakeholders, if I'm going to use business language. And what I mean by that is just what we were talking about a minute ago. When I'm marketing, my primary customers are a key stakeholder. But as I was working with our customer service team just this last week, the best way to retain a customer is not having the best product. It's having the best relationship. Now, quality products matter, right? I don't want to minimize that. But if you can build relationships with these customers, you'll keep them for life, right? right. So the stakeholders are, in, you go in any direction, and that's where the stakeholders are. The CEO of the organization is a stakeholder. But the key, the key to efficiency and a key to effectiveness is good relationship. And so if I can instill that in my kids, and they can, so that way, if I can do that, Chad and Corey, it doesn't matter where they go or what they do. It doesn't matter if they end up being the CEO of an organization like I have been. It doesn't matter if their business is making 4 million or 4,000. It doesn't matter because it's really all about relationships. And I'll just say this, I'm also convinced that people who know how to have healthy relationships are quicker to get promoted. They're quicker to get increases. Right. Like there's a lot of studies out there about EQ, and I'm sure you guys are familiar with EQ. So it used to be IQ was the big thing. You got to hire smart people. 
But the truth is that people with high IQs are very rarely CEOs of organizations. It's people with high EQ, and EQ is emotional quotient. And so when you are emotionally healthy and you are mature and you can you can uh, facilitate all these relational aspects that we're talking about, those are the people that end up being CEOs. Those are the people that end up being successful. Those are the ones that end up taking a business and, and watching it grow and be successful, right? And so, and that's why I'm very sincere when I say everything that I've learned about marriage, I apply to business. And, uh, and a bunch of the stuff that I have learned about leadership in the business world, I apply to my marriage. And I also apply to my kids, right? So that's, man, if they could, if they could take that away, if, if one of them was interviewed one day and they said, you know what my dad taught me? Everything we do is about relationships. I'm, I'm gold. <laughs> I think that's, I think the most interesting thing about that answer is that we currently live in a world where um, relationship skills have almost gone by the wayside because of social media. Like that is legit. That is the main way that people interact and relate now. And it requires so little of us in terms of relationship skills. And so oh my gosh, in a world where we want our children to be good at relationships, um, they're growing up in a world where relationships are on a keyboard and they're in status updates and likes and follows and um just that it's it's funny to me in business to watch how i feel like i'm seeing a lot more conversations about that idea that that we need to get back to relationship skills and that when people are recognizing those things are getting lost and recognizing the impact that it's having on on people around the world and how we need to get back to teaching um those those skills and modeling those skills and so i just i think you're you're 100 right that's a great answer and i would hope absolutely the same thing for for our children that they will thrive well and like you said it's yeah especially this day and age where Everything is digital. Um, you just there. So studies also show that there's a much higher rate of loneliness today. There's a much higher rate of feeling isolated. There's a much higher rate of depression and suicide, even though in one sense, we are more connected today than we've ever been in the history of the world. Hmm. But it's that lack of intimate relationship that is impacting everything everything and that's why man if if my kids because because you know our kids have grown up with social media right our kids have grown up with ipads our kids have grown up with all of this stuff that well because i'm 116 i never had those things so we just come from a different world and so it's actually even more important that our kids and our grandkids understand the value of relationships Right. So just as an example, let me tell you something we did at Thanksgiving this year. So we always have the whole family over for Thanksgiving and my wife makes this big meal, kind of traditional thing. Um, but this year I did something I haven't done in probably five years. I got my basketball out of my storage room before they came over and I pumped up the basketball and I made sure the basketball goal net was not dry rotted. <laughs> <laughs> And I, uh, before the family came over, I parked my wife's and my cars back far enough back on the driveway that there was space to play basketball. And the reason I did that, Chad, is because that's what I used to do with my kids. And that's one of the great ways we build relationships was just doing activity things together. Do you know what I'm saying? And so I, I decided that I want my grandkids to have that same experience where they're just hanging out with grandpa, even though I hate being called grandpa. <laughs> I, I much prefer to be called sir or your majesty or something like that. But. Uh, that's funny. That's awesome. That's, that's very cool. I, I, even though I'm 43 years old, actually genuinely love being called grandpa, but um, it, it, 
It's <laughs> no, I do too. It's I do too. I'm just teasing every time, but I do love it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I've got seven of them now, and and our old, our oldest grandkid is thirteen, so I'm pretty yeah, used to it. Sure, sure. It's funny too because you mentioned like we are the most in this day and age we are the most connected we have ever been, but we're not because you can sit in a room with twelve other people or even one person, and you're both stuck in your telephone. And so you don't really, or you're at an event, and, you know, we're doing whatever, and you've got your phone, you're recording, and you're taking photos, and and it's nice to have, but, like, you're missing the moment. You're, like, really not involved and invested in the moment because you're looking at the moment through your phone or through a screen <laughs> so, or through... So true. So one thing that we have that I had, I mean, my parenting skills evolved quite a bit over the last 24 years, but like still with my 17 year old, get off the phone. Talk to your, your boyfriend is right here. Put your phone down. Your friend is right beside you. Put your phone down. Like be, or I'll be talking on the shield FaceTime while he's at boot camp or whatever and she's scrolling through twitter and i'm like will you just talk like quit playing get off the phone and be present in the moment because you're missing the moment the the you can and like you said with depression and all these things you're even though you're you can have twelve thousand followers on facebook you're sitting alone in a room and you're you're missing the real connection. You're missing the the hug or the pat on the back or the you're just missing the moments. And so like that it just made me think when you were talking about like that. Take your going outside and playing, like eliminating yourself from the distractions and the internet and the screens and being together in the moment and enjoying those moments. Because that's what's that's the memories and the things that are they're going to remember, you know, one day. For sure. By the way, it's not just your 17 year old kid. I had a staff member tell me yesterday. Every time we're in a meeting together or every time I'm talking to you, you start looking at your phone. And I was like, oh, whoops. So I know my people. I have an Apple Watch just mainly for the purpose that I'm always losing my phone. <laughs> And I'm like, that kind of is a good thing because I put my phone down and walk away <laughs> and I have to ding it to remember where it is. Whereas you people always know where it is because it's in front of your face. Right. Uh, that's very true. Guilty as charged. Um, well, I'll be honest. I feel like, and it's partly selfish just that we miss hanging out and getting to talk with you, but I feel like this this conversation is so important and so healthy that I feel like it could go on for a really long time. <laughs> but Agreed. Um, so uh, hopefully we can connect again and, and do this again on a future episode. But I do want to ask one last question before um, before we end it today. And it's a it's a question really that I want to ask of all of our guests that we have. And that is. Um, if if I've listened to this today and, and I'm encouraged by it and I'm motivated and I'm thinking to myself that I want to start being a better leader in the marketplace and I want to start being a better leader at home. If you could talk to that person and and I'm thinking, I want to do that, but I don't know where to start. Like, I don't, I don't know how to get started. What is one actionable thing? What is something I can do today to take step one of that journey towards being a better leader at work or a better leader at home? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And I, and I know we're winding down, so I'll, I'll try to be brief. Uh, I would say this, it's kind of a two part, two part answer. The first thing is you have to recognize that you don't know everything. Like, like one of the leaders that I follow, he often says that if you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room, mm. right? Like, and so when it comes to parenting, when it comes to business, when it comes to leadership, when it comes to marriage, whatever, the greatest moments in my life have been the moments that I've recognized I don't have a clue what I'm doing. 
right? So that's the platform. It's a platform of humility. And then from there, I will say this, the, the best way to grow your value is to grow yourself. And so for every single person, you got to figure out what that looks like. But for me, for me, when I, when I was uh, a youth pastor, and after three months, I hated all of the teenagers in the youth group, it's because I realized I didn't have a clue what I was doing. So you know what I did? I went and picked up a book. Right. When I'd been married for several years and our marriage was struggling, and I realized, man, I don't have, I don't have a clue what it means to be a good husband. And so you know what I did? I went and picked up a book. You see what I'm saying? When I when I was in a leadership position and nobody took the time to train me about how with people skills and I was damaging employees. You know what I did? I went and picked up a book. And so the, honestly, for me, a very simple and actionable and easy step is get some resources under your belt, whatever that looks like, whether it's a conference, a parenting conference, a marriage conference, a leadership conference, whether it's getting a book in your hands, whether it's listening to this podcast and other podcasts like it, right? Like you've got to do something to start increasing your knowledge base and increasing your wisdom. So you, the best way to add value to this organization that I work for is to grow myself, yeah. to become a better leader. So I think that's the simplest and easiest, most actionable step is to start being intentional about your own growth. I love that. Yeah, that's a great answer. I love that. Well, so that's twice now that you've said I've had great <laughs> answers. Uh, I'm not sure what happened to the other ones, but. Well, I mean, yeah. Well, um, I really, really just want to thank you for um, joining our podcast. Um, I think that it's, uh, I'm excited for people to get to listen to this episode because I think it will be encouraging. It, I think it will be relational. And I hope that people are as encouraged by you as I know we are every time we get to talk. And so thank you for being on. Thank you for your time and um, love to have My you. My pleasure. Thanks. Thanks. If you enjoyed this content, hit subscribe or follow and share the show with a friend. Thanks for listening to the Business Rents Podcast, made possible by the Schiffer team with Canopy Mortgage.